Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 61, Camp and Free Agent Tryouts. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. We're almost a month from 2023's kickoff. This week, we have some interesting XFL developments to cover. In addition, we have two interviews. Later in the show, I will be joined by Edge Michael Batajo to discuss his football journey, going unselected in the XFL draft, and his upcoming workout with the Orlando Guardians. I will also be joined by CBS affiliate Ken's 5 sports anchor Nate Ryan to discuss the San Antonio Brahma's lead-up to February's kickoff. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On January 9th, per a source, I reported the XFL Championship game will be held in San Antonio, Texas at the Alamo Dome on May 13th. Then, on January 11th, ESPN revealed their XFL commentator teams. The teams are the following. Team 1, Tom Hart, play-by-play, Greg McElroy, analyst, Katie George, field reporter, Cole Kublik, field analyst, Team 2, Matt Berry, play-by-play, Joey Galloway, analyst, Tiffany Blackmon, field reporter, Eric Mackling, field analyst, Team 3, John Sheffern, play-by-play, Tom Luganville, analyst, Stormy Bunatani, field reporter, Harry Douglas, field analyst, Team 4, Lowell Galladino, play-by-play, Sam Acho, analyst, Taylor McGregor, field reporter, and Ian Fitzsimmons, field analyst. Also on January 11th, during the St. Louis Battlehawks Happy Hour, the X-Fan Show's co-host Jason Spurgeon's interview with head coach Anthony Becht. Coach shared teams are sharing practice facilities and will eventually hold joint sessions with the D.C. Defenders. It sounds like these joint sessions will replace 2.0 scrimmages. As we learn more, we will provide updates. Then, on January 12th, XFL single-game tickets went on sale to the public, with the only exception being the Vegas Vipers. Due to securing Cashman Field late, the team is focused on season tickets at this time. Also, on January 12th, XFL Newsroom's James Larson reported the XFL will be holding free agent workouts every Tuesday during training camp. According to sources, teams are allowed to schedule workouts for any player they are interested in, providing teams a last-minute opportunity to improve their rosters before the season kicks off on February 18th. Then, on January 13th, the XFL announced it had selected Riser Mindset as the official Mindset test partner. According to the press release, Riser's reporting and suite of Mindset tools will help the league prioritize 
both the mental performance and mental well-being of players while also helping coaches better understand their athletes to optimize training and reach peak performance. Per the agreement, all players will take their risers mindset's proprietary trout wine athletic profile, known as TAP, an athletic mindset assessment that measures the traits important to achieving athletic success. Upon the completion of TAP, players receive reporting that analyzes their mental traits, provides personalized sports psychologist guidance, and a development plan to help them reach their full potential. While coaches receive reporting that provides tips, techniques, and guidance on how to most effectively coach each player based on their unique mindset. The TAP was predictively validated by the U.S. Navy SEALs and has been in use continually in the National Football League since 1984 to aid teams in scouting prospective players' mental makeup. The XFL has taken a holistic approach to player development, highlighting the importance of both physical and mental well-being, which drives its health and safety program and enables players to be the best version of themselves. The league's focus on education and emphasis on technique allows players to boost performance and prevent them from getting injured by also leveraging the power of innovative data and technology through partnerships such as Riser and Breakaway Data, the XFL has the tools to maximize player buy-in, efficiency, and results. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by Edge, Michael Badajo, to discuss his football journey, going unselected in the XFL draft, and his upcoming workout with the Orlando Guardians. Welcome, Michael. I appreciate you taking the time to come out to the show to discuss your football journey being passed over by the XFL draft in your upcoming workout with the Orlando Guardians, right? Yes, sir. All right. I think it is, I think it'd be beneficial if we began with your collegiate playing days where you began your career at Division I Southern Methodist University, right, before transferring to Texas Southern University. Can you kind of walk us mm -hmm. through how that recruitment began for SMU, and then how that time was and why ultimately you decided to finish out at Texas Southern? Yeah, so I had an amazing time when I was at uh, Southern Methodist. Um, like I said, I'm a kid that's from Arlington, Texas, um, you know, down the street from Dallas, about 20 minutes. So I kind of wanted to stay close home, be local, you know, have everybody, you know, from the city, you know, my family, you know, kind of attend the games. And I had to do a lot of traveling. Um, so it was a huge thing for me just, you know, being able to stay home and play for the city. Uh, made a lot of connections there, you know, from teammates to, you know, coaching staff and people on the staff. Um, you know, it was just, I, like I said, it was a huge thing for me just to stay home and play ball. Uh, you know, things, you know, kind of got to a situation where, you know, playing time was, you know, getting kind of, you know, not in my, not in my, you know, not in my, in my, uh, in my position to a point where, you know, I can get out there and play as much as I wanted to. So I took the opportunity to go to Texas Southern, uh, you know, go to HBCU, you know. You know, that was kind of before, you know, the rap where HBCU was trying to get on the map and all that. So it was a cool opportunity when I went out there and, you know, kind of played with my old teammate, uh, Dev Williams, who's a quarterback uh, from high school. Uh, so that was a cool opportunity to go out there and, you know, kind of just, you know, fit into a program where, you know, I could use my, you know, the skills I have and, you know, get those numbers out there. So how different, right? We know HB, HBCU, right? Everyone talks about it. And we know now with Prime, you know, at Jackson State, now, you know, he's moving on, but it kind of brought a little bit more glitz and glamour, like you're saying. But how different, how important was that, you know, in, in your development 
when you made that shift? How did that change you as a player, just making that shift of a school and those type of programs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just definitely a huge opportunity, you know, just for me, you know, at, you know, at that at that standpoint. Um, like I said, uh, going through that process, it, it is different, you know, from the resources, um, through people that support you and the fans. You know, it's different, you know, going to Texas Southern, you know, obviously with their history with football, you know, it's not a good history, you know. You know, they don't really have a lot of a, you know, great fan base when it comes to that. But when it comes to, you know, we play like, you know, Perryview University, big school, like, you know, rival schools, you know, the fans are there. You know, we did, you know, even the time when I was there, you know, we did everything we could, you know, to, you know, get engaged with the fans to, you know, kind of let them come to the games and, you know, support us, you know, as much as possible. But, you know, you know, big change, though, definitely big change from SMU to uh, to Texas Southern, you know, kind of like I said, you know, I felt, I felt like I was at home and it was just a great opportunity to ball. So let's shift to post-college. You made your transition to the professional game. And I kind of did a little bit of research here. So please fill in any gaps I'm missing or correct me if I'm wrong. But I understand you've had stints or workouts, depending on how it worked out, with the following organizations. In the National Football League with the Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears, Houston Texans, Seattle Seahawks. You had a very brief stint with the Major League Football's Arkansas Attack. And recently you just signed with the IFL's San Diego Strike Force, right? Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything else in there in your professional experience or tryouts? Mm, that's about it. That sounds accurate. Okay. Can you share how each of these opportunities came about and what your overall experience were? with each organization just kind of give us an idea of you know what that shift was from the collegiate to the professional and within each different organization i mean i think it was you know a huge blessing a huge opportunity when it came to that uh, kid coming from an hbcu you know it was kind of hard to get in that situation at all you know period um just getting the invitation you know i don't i can't really say you know was it a different feeling for each team you know, I kind of go over, like, the overall feeling of, you know, it's a blessing to be here. Each time I got reached out to a team or invited to something, you know, it was just a blessing to be there, just to be able to be a professional athlete. And, of course, you know, being able to, you know, attend NFL workouts or being able to say, oh, yeah, I was there. You know, that's a huge opportunity. Not everybody gets to say that. Um, like I said, you know, I had my time. I enjoyed it all. I was a sponge, you know, everywhere I went. Um, NFL to Major League um, and even signing with IFL. Um, like I said, just being a sponge and just being able to say, like, you know, I, I was able to experience that. Not everybody can do that. Obviously, the focus is to play 11-on-11 traditional football, right? I mean, that's what the dream is, to make it to the National Football League. And typically, the pathway of doing that is to play the outdoor game. I know a lot of guys go to the CFL or whatnot. So even though you've recently signed with the IFL, you obviously are still striving to get to either a league like the XFL, the USFL. Right. Right. And that's why back in July, you received your invitation to the XFL HBCU showcase at Jackson State University. Can you share what that invitation meant to you? And can 
you just kind of give us a little bit of insight into what that experience was like? Yeah, like, like I said, that was a huge experience, you know, just to even get that opportunity, you know, to attend an event. Um, around that time, um, that's when Major League was going on. And that, uh, Major League, Arkansas Tech, they offered me a contract before I even was able to attend, you know, that workout. So I signed with Major League and I couldn't attend the, uh, the HBCU showcase. But which it was still, you know, a blessing in disguise to even get that opportunity because, you know, I've seen a lot of guys, you know, that got great talent in the HBCU and they didn't get that. They didn't get that opportunity, you know. So, you know how it is, you know, when somebody can't attend something that opens the door for somebody else. So, you know, whoever it was that got the opportunity, you know, I hope they took it and took advantage of it. But overall, that was, you know, a huge opportunity to even, you know, have XFL to be like, hey, this is in my only brand body to this, you know, so that was huge. So missing the event, signing with Major League Football's Arkansas Attack clearly did not hinder your XFL opportunities because the following month you received your invitation to the XFL draft pool. After that particular moment, and obviously, you know, I'm not going to get into the debacle of the situation that happened with Major League Football. You know, it's unfortunate. But when that obviously came to an end, you had opportunity to potentially participate, pursue other opportunities. So, did you get any phone calls for XFL team workouts like we had seen a lot of other players? Did you get those opportunities? Did you take advantage of it? Yeah. So, like I said, it was pretty cool opportunity, you know, a, you know, a unique situation when it came to Major League and I couldn't attend the workout. Um, still had uh, a coach still reach out to me and give me that uh, invitation just because of the, you know, the man he saw in me, you know, and I still respect to this day. I still talk to him to this day. Um, so that helped me out a lot. Um, then when it came to the process, when we started seeing like, oh, players are getting invited for workouts, you know, I'm automatically thinking like once you, you know, once you get in the draft pool, they kind of just pick from there. And now they got these opportunities coming with these workouts. Um, so I had, uh, San Antonio team reach out to me, um, the Orlando team, the Houston team and the DC team. Um, around the time I only attended the Orlando team's workout. Um, they had like a position group workout. I attended that in Houston and they had one in Orlando where everybody were all, uh, all position groups. I went to, went to that and attended that. Um, just around the time they were showing me the most interest, you know, when the team shows you the most interest, you want to go out there, you know give it your all. So um, the Orlando team was the only one I kind of attended and, you know, went out there and did what I had to do. Good deal. So adversity, right? This term is used over and over again. And there's different degrees of it, but it doesn't mean that somebody still doesn't deal with it. So some people it's injuries, some people it's, you know, losing people that are very close to them, very important to them. Let's just talk about the XFL draft here for a moment, right? You get your invitation to the HBCU showcase for whatever reason, you're pursuing an opportunity. No one can fault that, right? You're still pursuing your dream. You still get your draft invitation, right? So it seems like it's that dream still alive, even with the XFL. One door closes, another one appears to keep opening, right? So November, they conduct their initial draft. Unfortunately, you went undrafted. 
another form of adversity. Like it's like that, that carrot is being dangled there, but yet you can't get it. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And then earlier this month, the XFL conduct their supplemental draft. You also went undrafted, right? You feel like there's still (laughs) this opportunity there. One, how does this impact you and your approach while you're still training, trying to communicate with prospective teams? I mean, how does that really impact, you know, your mindset, you know, your desire? And everyone has a dream, but it could still kind of take a hit. Did it, did it impact you in any negative way? Yeah, you know, when it comes to a situation like that, you know, you got to go back to, you know, your your back homework, you know, you back to your tools, you know. As an athlete going through like high school, college, you're kind of trained for something like this. You know, mentally, you're kind of trained to train you to get ready for things won't always go your way, you know. And when things don't go your way, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to sit down, proud about it, or are you just going to keep working? You know, and shout out to Coach, uh, Coach McKinney, my head coach from Texas Southern. A guy that really trained me on, you know, becoming a man when it comes to things just hitting hard, you know, while I'm proud about it when you can just keep working. You know, somebody can pout and somebody can keep working and boom, opportunity can come, you know, and that's kind of how I went about it, you know. Unfortunately, I didn't get picked up, with, uh, you know, with those situations, but I didn't pout about it. You know, I, I just went harder in the gym, went harder in the field, and, you know, you kind of had to see it now, you know, opportunities came. I've been told over and over in my life, and, you know, a lot of people say the same thing, so it's not like just I was told this. Opportunities come to those who don't give up and keep working for it, right? So as you see, you just keep striving regardless of what happens. Another opportunity, whether it's an invite to a showcase, no invite to the draft, right, whatever. So let's address what was reported here recently, right, that it came out that you will be working out within Orlando Guardians, right? And I know I alluded to it a little bit earlier. So is this true? Do you have a workout scheduled with the Orlando Guardians? Yeah, uh, I, re- I received a call from uh, the DPP from the Orlando team yesterday, and uh, we got the workout scheduled for the 24th of January. Good deal. So, again, opportunity. The door's not closed yet. The XFL still a chance here. So you clearly did something very well in that workout, right? You made a heck of an impression. Not that your own highlight reels or your clips, your own game footage doesn't speak for itself because it clearly does. I mean, and I'm not here to always pat people on the back or, you know, just boast people, but there has been a lot of people in this alternative football community, whether it's podcast people, writers, whatever, that believe that you are an obviously can't miss talent, but for whatever reason, hasn't happened so orlando's not giving up on you you haven't given up it just seems like your opportunity is right there you're about ready to take advantage of it and it just happens to be the 24th now what how do you continue and what do you do differently now compared to what you've done previously or is it just consistency is it that you just got to prove clearly whatever they like they got to just be consistent or is there areas that you're like, okay, I think I'm lacking here and I'm focusing on to prove that I'm also adding that to my my arsenal, so to speak? 
Yeah, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, you know, you kind of just stay consistent. You just keep grinding. You know, you, you try to get feedback from coaches to see, like, hey, what what do I need to work on? You know, what do I need to improve? You know, but for me, I'm, I'm kind of hard on myself. You know, it's always a point where I got to stay consistent. But, you know, I always want to improve. I always want to learn something. You know, either from going up in the white room with a certain way, hitting a certain number on the field, doing a certain drill correctly, you know, perfection. It's always room for improvement with me. So, you know, I'm never satisfied. I'm a guy that's never satisfied. You know, I just want to keep growing. So the fact that it's the 24th, we already know guys are at camp. What do you think this actually does for your chances, right? I know an opportunity is an opportunity. I'm not trying to take that away. What do you What do you think this does for your actual chance to make that Guardian squad? Yeah, hey, I, they I, really I, shared that <laughs> process with you. Why a little bit later, and what you know, how many days is a one day workout? I mean, because it just seems it's a little late in the game, so mm -hmm. it, it just the XFL. But it's not too late because the season. But you, I mean, it only leaves you essentially what three weeks before kickoff at that point. Yeah, so it was kind of interesting, you know. Like I said, I was in the weight rooms working out, and I got a call from you out of nowhere. You know, kind of asking me about my situation, like my sign anywhere. What's my status? You know, and I was like, I signed with IFL last month. You know, I just at least want to be signed somewhere and just go play ball, you know. Um, he didn't really get into details, you know, about the situation, you know. Uh, I'm assuming it's a one-day thing, and, you know, if they see what they like, they might sign you on the spot or the next day. Um, I think what's kind of cool about my situation is, you know, the XFL is in Arlington, and I'm in Arlington right now. I'm from it. I'm from out here. So, you know, I kind of reminded him. And I told him, like, hey, you know, I'm from Arlington. You know, you guys are right here in my backyard. You guys are five minutes from me. You know, so I think that was pretty cool. I kind of, you know, gave him some juice, like, you're a local guy, you're close, you know. Like, you know, he was kind of excited about the situation I was close, too. So, you know, he doesn't have to worry about me getting on the flight or anything. So the second iteration back in 2020 of the XFL, they had this Team 9. I don't know if you're familiar with that, which was essentially people were under contract with the league and they just practiced as a Team 9. It was a, a free agent right based off injuries or whatever for these teams are you hearing anything that there's going to be we know that i guess to, to kind of go back we know they have expanded roster significantly here for 3.0 but are you hearing anything that there's going to be some sort of players that are still in the mix in case teams need to make some changes in week two three whatever uh, I guess, like, the the recent thing I only heard about is, you know, because, you know, when XFL season start, it's kind of getting there, like, IFL and stuff like that. So, I guess when you're in the draft pool and in the, on an IFL team, you're kind of in two different uh, categories. I think it's a better chance if you're in IFL just because that partnership is going on and, you know, you're doing what, you, what you're supposed to do in IFL. They kind of pick players from, you know, IFL and, you know, somebody's not doing what they're supposed to in XFL, you know. You know, they release and pick up a guy from Alpha. That's pretty much all I heard. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what I wanted to kind of get into next and how signing with San Diego Strike Force, how maybe that partnership had played a, a a role in you signing with that IFL team. Is that why that was very enticing or probably more beneficial moving forward? Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I love the game of football, so I want to keep playing. You know, I kind of secured that spot before, you know, being told, hey, we're going to pick you up in the draft. And, you know, kind of never happened. Um, 
So just going ahead and, you know, before Superman came, I went ahead to sign with IFL, you know, read up on the partnership, make sure it's legit, you know, found that it was true. And it kind of just played out for itself. You know, I'm going out here to play IFL. Let's run this film up and let's get where I need to be. Now they got this partnership. This really opens doors for just not me, for other players that's in that, you know, partnership deal in the IFL. So, you know, it kind of just plays out for itself. It's a win-win situation. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's so much, I think that people were still curious about that partnership. We knew it, it exists. We're like, okay, but we're not going to really see anything probably for a year or so to see, but it looks like it does. Like you're saying, there's categories right there. I mean, it's one thing to read a press release, right? And to hear a few people talking about it. But it's another thing when you're actually seeing it and how it functions once you're under contract and stuff. So it it is real, right? So it, there's a real pathway there that if the XFL wants to grab somebody on how it works, and that's really good for the indoor game, right? We can talk about whether from a player, coaches, you know, offering more jobs to play and pursue their dream, you know, as well as even fans, people that just love football, that can't get enough football. It may be a different variation, and it's probably, if if this workout doesn't work out, you know, to play on the same work there a little bit, but if it just, and you do have to play IFL, even if it's for part of the season or whatever, you're probably going to pick up different skill sets because how many times do we find, or how many times do we hear of these guys mentioning, you know, the game's quicker. You know, there's less people on the field. So all of a sudden it makes you change or say alter something a little bit to your game. But in the grand scheme of things, those ways of changing and improving your game actually benefit for the outdoor, you know, the traditional outdoor game. So it's the stigma that has lasted for whatever reason. But guys like Kurt Warner went in and became MVPs and Super Bowl, you know, like, I don't know why the stigma is still there, but you know, for whatever reason it is. So what, is there anything else that we're lacking with your career, this point in your life that you're pursuing that you just kind of, you feel like it's not known about you, right? That you feel like you need to kind of get out there. It's very vital to who you are and what makes you a very dangerous player and why somebody should actually be looking more closely at you. Yeah, you know, and that's an amazing question. I appreciate you asking that, man. I think it comes down to, you know, not a lot of guys are versatile. You know, I'm not a guy that just plays one position. You know, I can play the whole defensive line. You know, sometimes I drop back there and play linebacker as well. And a big thing, too, is, you know, you don't really see a lot of defensive linemen, you know, playing special teams. You know, when I was at Texas Southern SMU, I was playing special teams, like, hard. Like, that was something that was huge about me, you know, just being able to just be on the field, being on national TV and just going 100%. You know, I'm a guy that plays special team and loves special team as well, you know. And there's a guy that's ready to ball, man, you know. Um, I think throughout this whole process, it kind of made me start a clothing brand. Um, I started a clothing brand called B1 Collection, Believe First. Um, and everything I have on there, I put a, you know, small quote in the back on every, you know, every merch I have um, saying everything happens for a reason, you know. And it kind of plays out to, you know, what I've been going through, you know, since I've been playing football. And especially with this, you know, professional life, you know, things will go well, and things, you know, will kind of go downhill. Things will go well, like a roller coaster. You know, I just keep reminding myself, you know, sometimes I might get frustrated, but I just, you know, keep going back to my clothing, man. Like everything's happening for a reason, you know. And you know, kind of like the situation I'm in right now, 
you know, went undrafted, you know, two times, you know, kept my head down, kept grinding. And then, boom, I got this opportunity yesterday, you know. And it's just like, you know, a lot of guys reached out to me, too, on Twitter. You know, hey, man, is this real? Like, hey, like, how do I, you know, you know, and I'm not a guy that's being stingy. I'm reaching out to guys, reaching back to them and helping them out, you know, reach out to him, reach out to this guy, you know, do whatever I can to get guys opportunities because I was in the same shoes, you know, I was in that same situation. But I do always revert back to my clothing, man. Uh, be one collection uh, to everything happens for a reason. Yeah, you know, karma. You know, I know people believe in different things, but for whatever reason, karma seems to be quite real. And that pay it forward thing is a is pretty powerful. So if you can pay it mm-hmm. forward to somebody else, I think, again, it kind of bring better karma for you. So, you know, it's awesome because you were one of those names that just kept circulating around. And for whatever reason, you're still in the mix. And that's what's good about it is that the door isn't closed yet. So, you know, Michael, it has been a pleasure. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to share your football journey. I mean, even your mindset in, in a bit, right? In a way that you're just going to continue grinding forward, you know, and things, ha- good things happen to good people. And I don't know you personally, but it seems like you got a very good head on your shoulders. And it seems like you have a very good approach to just, you know, helping others and whatnot. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad we had this opportunity to, to talk about the good, bad, and ugly, you know, so to speak, of the career, but that ultimately you have this opportunity with the Guardians, you know, coming up later this month. So that said, I wish you the best of luck, man, because uh, I just happen to be a Garden season ticket holder. It'd be great when I'm going out to Camping World just to kind of see you take that next step in the professional game and uh, hopefully springboard that to, you know, fulfill your ultimate dream in the National Football League. So if so, I'd love to have you come back sometime because then we won't be talking about these hypothetical stuff. We just really get in and mm-hmm. talk about football. And that's what mm-hmm. it should really be all about. Yeah, you're right, man. I truly appreciate you giving me this opportunity, man. Reaching out to me. You know, I love what you're doing, man. I support your grind. You know, I've seen your page plenty of times pop up on my t- on my timeline. You know, I support your grind, man. I love what you're doing, man. You're definitely helping out guys just like me, you know, getting that exposure, you know. And, you know, kind of getting us where we need to be. Well, thank you for the kind words, because I didn't know where I would end up when this show got started. But (laughs) any journey is going to evolve and you just got to evolve with it. And then as your platform grows, I am a firm believer, not only bringing people together, I'm a firm believer of using that platform for good. And it's not just for the good of me and potentially the future of the show, but for the for the benefit of others like yourself so hopefully whatever small piece that i play in that little journey you know that that part of your may your major journey but whatever small piece i play in it i hope it helps it's all i could hope you know for you and um you know like i said best of luck but before i let you go I know you already mentioned your new clothing line which is something i got to check out because i think i had seen your logo but i hadn't really looked into this so i'll have to check that out so definitely share with everybody where they could find this where they could follow you for uh not only whatever new developments are happening with your career but just you seem like a good guy to follow so how can it, these listeners do so yeah so my twitter is uh 
the real Badger Joe. Um, my Instagram is my last name, Badger Joe, with two A's and two E's. Um, then my website is uh, b1collection.com. Perfect. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. You're welcome. We are fortunate to have Michael make an appearance shortly after the news broke of his workout with the Orlando Guardians. He's an interesting prospect, and I wish him the best of health and luck at his workout on January 24th. I will now be joined by CBS affiliate Ken Spies sports anchor Nate Ryan to discuss the San Antonio Brahma's lead-up to February's kickoff. Nate, I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL, San Antonio Brahma's, and their lead-up to February's kickoff here and more. Yeah, we're all excited about uh, the XFL coming to town here in about a month's time. Uh, San Antonio is a massive city, and, you know, it's a city that probably, I think it's the big, most populated city in America that doesn't have uh, an NFL franchise. And uh, they had some success with it a couple of years ago with the San Antonio Commanders. Uh, and now for the, for the Brahmas to come back here to town, uh, in the Alamo Dome, especially uh, for a city that that has a great passion for football. I know, I know the folks are very excited about it. Yeah, we'll get into all that first. But for my listeners that don't know who you are, I believe it would be a little bit beneficial if you took a moment yeah. to just kind of share your background so they can kind of get educated. So here's your soapbox. Jump on up there. 100 percent uh yeah so my name is nate ryan i uh i'm the sport i'm the sports anchor i'm the primetime sports anchor so so the sports director here at uh at ken's five here in san antonio which is the cvs affiliate uh so cvs san antonio and and the sports department here uh, I, i'm relatively newer to town uh, i got here to san antonio in june of 2022 prior to this i was uh the sports anchor at, a, at an affiliate at abc in el paso texas so uh, I made the trek uh, east from there. I'm from Chicago originally, um, but no, I've been in San Antonio for about seven months now, um, and have, you know, fully, you know, enjoyed my time here. I sunk my teeth into the city the second I got here, um, but just being exposed to the the passion for sports that this city has. I mean, I talked about you know how big this city is. I think it's the seventh most populated city in the United States. Um, and it's so spread out too. I mean, it, it's a you know short distance, about two and a half hours from Houston. We're about an hour south of Austin, four hours south of Dallas. So we're right kind of nestled in that you know sweet spot pocket of South Texas, where uh, a majority of the state's population uh, kind of resides. But uh, we've you know right now we, we just finished up football season here at the Alamo Dome with the UTSA Roadrunners, who are you know, uh, an up and coming team in college football, they are relatively new. It just, it'll tie back into, you know, the passion for sports here in San Antonio, but UTSA, the Roadrunners, uh, relatively new to division one FBS football. Uh, they joined FBS. I think it was about 2012, 2013. Uh, and for a team that's only been in an FBS football for 10 years now coming off back to back double digit win seasons, and they're, you know, routinely putting 30,000, 35,000 people in the Alamo Dome here, now moving to another conference. I mean, they're a total sleeping giant in the college football landscape. Uh, and obviously, we've got the San Antonio Spurs here. I mean, funny, funny you're catching me catching me today. Tomorrow, I don't know if you're, you're aware, but uh, the Spurs are going to break the NBA regular season single game attendance record at the Alamo Dome. They're playing a special game at the Alamo Dome tomorrow night against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and right now they're, they're creeping up on 65,000, 
uh, tickets sold. They're already over 64,000. So that already gives them the regular season attendance record. And for a team that, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, they're 16 games under 500, yet they're about to break the regular season attendance record. It, it doesn't necessarily sound like a good match, but I think that is as good a way of any to, to talk about the, the passion for sports here in San Antonio. Absolutely. So, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been there. It matters how invested you are in the community. And obviously sports is a way to really find out what a community is about because everything is at it's identification, right? If I'm from there, if I'm from, you know, originally, even if I move away, I'm still going to identify with my team's brand. It, as long as it has my city on it, it doesn't matter what the nickname is. People just will always rep it. So again, people, I know some people are like, oh, seven months, but you also have a good feel for what Texas is about. So it's not just San Antonio. You have a good feel, obviously, from your time in El Paso and whatnot. So let's talk some XFL. Let's do it. I'm all in. Right. Back in July, which is perfect because you had gotten there in June. Back in July, the league had announced its eight markets with San Antonio getting its first ever XFL franchise. Obviously, this is the third iteration, but for whatever reason, they never had one previously. Seeing how things did end with the Alliance of American Football in 2019 and the city losing the commanders, which looking at spring football or the alternative professional football, however you some people like to word it or whatever. How big of a deal is this Brahma's team to San Antonians? Uh, well, right now, I think it's tough to it's tough to answer that question right now because they've yet to play a game, and right now, uh, the, the city sort of sinks their teeth into one thing at a time. Um, so in the fall, they were big on UTSA and seeing you know as I mentioned the movement of UTSA, how they especially got have gone this year. Because even as much as four years ago, they were still struggling to string wins, wins together. They were a new program. Um, but they just won double-digit games for the second consecutive year. Now they're moving to another conference. They're moving to the American. A lot of people think that the next sort of UCF team, UCF obviously going to the Big 12 next year in college football. And they did so by putting together, you know, really quick success in a short amount of time. A lot of people think UTSA is the next sort of mold of that. They've got a really energetic coach who knows how to rally the community and he recognizes the potential here uh, for fan base, fan bases of football. And I think once people start to, it's one of those things where, especially at the time that, you know, the Brahmas are going to start playing, there's not going to be a whole lot else sports wise, especially in, in, a, in terms of competition for sports fans to sort of get their fix. And you talked about, the commanders in the AAF, I think they were the highest attended team in the AAF. I mean, they were putting uh, were people to people tell me about it, you know, nowadays. I mean, and, and I see the video in our archives that they were getting you know, close to 40,000 people in the Alamo Dome for the short season that they had. Uh, and a lot of it is because there's so many people who live here and there's so many people who are looking for something like that to do. Uh, that I, I think once they see one game for the Brahmas and they see, you know, if the XFL does everything, you know, according to plan, uh, as far as enter providing entertainment value, just the fact that the, the mere benefit for them here in San Antonio is that they won't have a whole lot of competition from, you know, other entities, other sports leagues in San Antonio uh, to attend real time. So it has been approximately six months, even though 
you're sharing that it's a one sport at a time, you know, whatever the attention span or whatever that loyalty that they're willing to sink in to that particular team to give it its all, so to speak. But that announcement seemed like a big deal. So since then, the branding of Brahma's has been announced, right? We've had that a little bit later after the city was announced. What was the reaction to that particular nickname, that particular branding? Does it fit well? Is it just feel like, well, The Rock give us his particular wrestling kind of uh, brand? And it, so how how is that fitting for San Antonio? Uh, as far as like the team name, Brahmas and, you know, the, the logo and color scheme, but just the, the overall brand of it. Um, well, Brahmas uh, is it's like a bull, like, you know, people think Texas and here in San Antonio, we have the San Antonio Rodeo, which, you know, starts up here in a couple couple of weeks. I mean, that's going on all throughout February. So uh, that's a term that will resonate with 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 South Texans. Um the coach of the team, obviously having Heinz Ward here, you know, coaching the Brahmas, it's kind of ironic because Heinz Ward spent, you know, pretty much all of his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's, you know, he's really big on the culture that he played for in Pittsburgh. I mean, you've got the terrible towel and, you know, how ingrained the team was in the city's culture. You see, I mean, obviously it doesn't, you know, take much to look deep into it. The color scheme is obviously the same as the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, we've had Heinz, you know, Coach Ward here in the studio before to do an interview. And just uh, that was right sort of recently after the league was announced. And he really reflected on wanting the team to represent the culture within the city, having those two sort of be, you know, intertwined with each other. Um, And I think, you know, he's a guy who knows how to talk to people and knows how to get people excited just from the conversations I've had with him. He's got the pedigree. People know who he is. Um, and he's also, I think new enough and he's like recently, more recently removed from playing the game where he'll be able to resonate with a lot of the next generation of fans and players as well, too. Um, I think if, there would be any challenge to that. Uh, Maybe you're probably going to get to this question maybe at some point, but it would be where the, where the teams are going to be practicing. I I think a lot of those, I think a lot of those questions are, we don't know how involved, because I've I've heard maybe the teams are going to be practicing. If they're going to be practicing at headquarters in Arlington, how much that's going to be, you know, how much that I guess is going to take away from time that could be spent, you know, here in San Antonio, I guess. I will share, they are 100% headquarters, all players are living, training camp, and they will be staying in Arlington throughout the season, and they will be going to the cities for their home games, but I am under the impression or the understanding that they will always come in a day or two before the game to still connect with the community to do appearances and, and whatnot. I know that we've recently seen um, Anthony Beck, the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Last night, he flew in with a, several of his coaching staff members for a what they call a happy hour. So we will probably be seeing a lot of that in each of the markets anyway. So they're going to find a way to make this work. Texas is kind of much closer for having the hub, so to speak, in Arlington than some of these teams that have to go out to, say, D.C., Orlando, you know, Seattle. Yeah, mainly. Or yeah. yeah so those those would be difficult. But um, I, I mean that 
obviously has got to have a different impact because any other league that we've seen, aside from the USFL, because they did a full-on hub in only Birmingham, Alabama, in their first season last year, they only had teams essentially – for namesake, that kind of hurt. But at least here, they get in front of their team, their fan bases, and it's real, right? It, maybe you don't get the players all day, every day, living in the community, but, you know, we're kind of getting that post-pandemic, you know, startup. That's what these leagues are. They're all startups, regardless if it's our first, second, third iteration. They're restarting essentially from ground zero. So, I mean, we we have to kind of accept that for what it is, whether it's the ideal situation like having the Spurs in the community all decided when they're, you know, on a road trip, but they're always living in it and whatnot. So it, it's a different feel this time around, obviously, but yeah, it's uh, it's unique. And I would say again, too, it'll only help. I, I mean, just for continuity's sake, I feel like some people, if there are any reservations about it, it would be because with the commanders, people in San Antonio showed up to the games. People would tailgate. I mean, people are looking for reasons to get together and they're looking for teams to get behind because, you know, it says San Antonio on the front of the jersey. And that's, you know, where, you know, people here live and they're proud to be from here. I think just because, you know, that the AAF and all these other, you know, startup leagues, because as you mentioned, that's what they are. They haven't lasted much longer than one season where people are going to be a little bit more wary of giving up, you know, their time and really investing themselves in these leagues just because previous, you know, blueprints of it have not succeeded. But that's, I mean, that's everybody. That's just, you know, human nature is just being a little bit more hesitant but I mean, with you know The Rock and Danny Garcia, you know, promising funding and promising this is you know a league with a foundation. I think you you'll really start to see popularity and the fan bases you know fully start to sink their teeth into the teams once they know that it isn't just you know a couple months and then it's like a relationship or something like that. It's just a couple months and then you're done. You know, it's a long term commitment. Right. Seeing now. With the third iteration, there are multiple teams in Texas. Three. How do you see that benefiting or negatively impacting a team in Texas? Like the San Antonio, are is it going to be a pro? Like because it, those you could see those fan bases traveling on the road because it's really not that, I mean, it's far, but it's not that far. They don't have to go book a, a flight. They can just go take a car, you know, road trip really quick, go stay the night, come back. I mean, or is it negative in the sense that those people in the fringes, like myself, before I moved to Florida, I lived in Syracuse, New York, and I had season tickets for the New York Guardians in uh, 2.0. I drove almost four hours because that was my team, my local, you know, closest team to have season tickets. Does that impact where now where you start carving out that line? Well, you know, this is, like you said, there's some hesitation because we haven't seen leagues go beyond five, seven games or maybe one season. So how do you see that pro con three teams in Texas? Uh, for San Antonio, I think if you're living in San Antonio and from the league standpoint, it's a pro for you know the, San, the organization in San Antonio because there's no NFL team here. San Antonio is a Dallas Cowboys crazy market. People here love the Cowboys. 
some people argue I'm not gonna, you know, I'm me being newer, relatively newer to the community, I'm not gonna jump fully much into that because you know people might come at me with the pitchforks. But some do say that, you know, the fan base in San Antonio for the Cowboys is in some cases larger than that in the Dallas area. There's more people that live in San Antonio that live in the Dallas area. That's just based on population. Um, so people here love the Cowboys and we, you know, as a local media outlet, we cover the Cowboys I and mean, we work at training camp, we go to games. Um, but with there not being a NFL team with the name San Antonio on the front of the Jersey, I mean, that obviously I think works in the favor for the Brahmas here. Um, but as far as traveling to games, yeah, once fans start to give that long-term commitment, I think you'll totally see people start to get in their car and drive the two and a half hours to Houston easily go to a game same deal with dallas i mean it's only you know not that's four or four and a half hours away but i i think it's easy enough and it's close enough where you will see fans start to do that once they you know fully buy in and make that long-term commitment in other cities might be a little bit might take a little bit more time because in houston you've got the texans in dallas you've got the cowboys but if they start to see sustained success within the league in the first couple weeks to prove to be you know, as entertaining as some of these leagues have been in the past and people who want to get their fix, then, you know, once they start to, I think the games just need to start is what is what needs to happen for people to really start to, and that's purely based on how leagues in the past have struggled. People just need to know and be like, see the games happen on the field for, for them to, you know, sort of reestablish that trust. And it's not nothing on the part of the rock. It's nothing on the part of Danny Garcia. It's just based on some of these spring leagues that we've seen in the past. Nate, I know you do not have a crystal ball in front of you, but I'm going to ask a question here, okay? What do you foresee game one in the Alamo Dome for um, attendance? What do you anticipate? I know it's short. There hasn't been much you know, buildup. We don't really have a lot more time to see that buildup. But what do you think would be a realistic that what you may be seeing, what you may be hearing in the community for actual attendance that Alamo Dome is a pretty big facility. So what can we expect? I think you'll really start to see more and more people get excited about it just because people, the city itself has been pouring everything into the San Antonio Spurs game tomorrow night at the Alamo Dome. I think if I'm, you know, like the Brahmas are doing the best they can right now to market and try and sell tickets for, I think, the February 13th opener it is. But for the city standpoint right now, if you were to sort of say, hey, we need to fill the Alamo Dome. We need to get people in there. People are automatically right now. They're, they've, I mean, they've been thinking about this game, the Spurs game tomorrow night, hoops at the Alamo Dome for the, for the last month. I think in two, week, two weeks from now, you'll really start to see the excitement start to generate um, inside the Dome and just around the city for, for the XFL here. I would say just me, if I had to guess, I'd say they go between 25 and 30,000. That's pretty good for spring football, which which is good. Yeah. But that's also because, and I think, I don't know if it'll be that high. I don't think it'll be that high for game one in other cities here in San Antonio based on the attendance that the San Antonio commanders got for the, they were putting 40, 40,000 people in, in the dome for these games. I think they're probably going to get somewhere between 25 and 30. And I think as the, as the year goes on, 
And once you start to get a long, long-term commitment from, you know, the league and people you know, have the sense that the league is going to be around for maybe more than just one season, the potential to get 40,000 people in the dome again is, you know, it's through the roof for, for a city and a team like this. So just for a point of reference, what is the Roadrunners drawing for home games? UTSA, they at the beginning of the season when they played the they played the, they opened up with the University of Houston, Houston Cougars week one, and they got just under forty thousand for that game week one. And then they started playing conference games, and they were in Conference USA, where you know Conference USA competition wasn't as stiff as they're going to see now in the American Athletic Conference. Attendance would dip, you know, below thirty thousand, um, you know below 25, I think for a couple scattered games. Uh, and then for the conference USA championship game at the end of the year, I think the homecoming game got above 30, but then the conference USA championship game, their head coach. And literally there was a movement. It started up about two weeks before the game. As soon as it, it was announced that the Alamo dome was hosting the conference championship game, everybody with UTSA marketing, you know, the local sports guys here as well, too, just recognizing the value of pack stadiums because it doesn't just impact, you know, the school, it impacts us. It impacts the city as a whole. It just makes San Antonio a cooler place to live. That doesn't matter if it's here. It's, it's any city with sports. Um, a movement started in about two weeks. The head coach is going out and shaking hands is giving out, you know, fast food to people on the highway, like promoting, Hey, we need you guys to come to the game. They got 45,000 people for the conference championship. Now with them going to another conference next year, uh, I think it's, I think they're routinely every week because they've established success and they've established the trust of people with back-to-back back, uh, double-digit win seasons. I think every single home game they play next year will go north of 30,000. This next question, it's not official, so I don't know if you've heard anything. But we know that the league are going to have their championship on May 13th. They have not announced the venue yet. However, per a source earlier this week, I learned the championship game will be held at the Alamo Dome for multiple reasons. It's a dome. No weather's going to impact it. They're looking at how deeply invested they are in Texas with the, the three markets and the likelihood that a Texas team could make it there anyway. Mm-hmm. Traveling for it because they're in the hub. Have you heard anything about it, or is this the first you've heard anything? I, that, that'd be the first I've heard about it. That would be the first I've heard about it. Okay. But okay, I, I think that'd be, that'd, be a smart, that'd be a smart decision on their part. It's not official, obviously, so we're, we're just going to – you're saying smart. Why? Why would being a, it, the city of San Antonio be brilliant to host their championship game? What would it do for the league? Uh, as you mentioned, I mean, it's in Texas. You've already got three teams in Texas that are in the league. So the likelihood that one of them is going to be in the championship, uh, higher than not, um, the capacity in the dome, the dome can fit 65,000 people where, you know, it's, it San Antonio is a, a city that a lot of tourists already come to, to begin with, uh, you know, there's convention centers, downtown walkability in San Antonio is huge. The amount of, you know, Qualified hotels that are downtown uh, is more than meets the standard for hosting events. It's just their track record as far as hosting at the Alamo Dome. I mean, they routinely host the NCAA tournament. 
Final Four is coming here on the men's side in two years. On the women's side, it was here last year. Um, it, it's just it it's an e- it's an easy option for fans to come stay in a hotel. You walk to the dome. There's things to do downtown. Uh, and again, you don't have competition from other sports or other sports leagues where all the city's sports focus in that time would be on that event, which would be you know an X- XFL championship game. Is there anything I'm missing with you just being where you're at? You know, do you know anything that obviously we should just share to the rest of the XFL fan base? Is there anything pertaining to the Brahmas, the XFL that I'm just oblivious to that, but you have like kind of just a better feel for? Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be because it, it, it varies on city. I think it gets down to in some cities you've got, I mean, a city like Seattle. You've got the Seahawks that are are playing in the playoffs right now. And then around the time coming into the spring, then you're going to have the Mariners playing. You've got the Kraken and the NHL playing. Here, you have the Spurs in the NBA, but you don't really have a whole lot else following up after that where it's some cities. It's going to be on the cities where that don't like the St. Like St. St. Louis, you know, in a way, I mean, St. Louis is the Cardinals, but it's a city that doesn't have pro football, Orlando, San Antonio, those cities, if the fan bases there can really give themselves up to the team, the other cities will start to take note. I think just because that's the nature of a sports fan um, where they'll see the popularity increase. Plus, I mean, I mean, I'm a football junkie. I mean, I, you know, following college football, I mean, I look at these rosters and I've, recognize tons of guys that you know i've watched play in college and just you know there's some good players in this league so it's 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 going to be fun in in that regard so one last thing you talk about the spurs they're not having a good season so the likelihood that anything's going to turn around because it's go time it's go time in the nba right it's post christmas they're february they start seeing right around what all-star games and their trade deadlines and whatnot so this is where teams really need to start putting it together if they're going to make that postseason push. And if the Spurs, which is so uh, odd for them because they are such a team of pedigree, winning championships and whatnot, that would leave a massive void with no playoff basketball for the city. Is That, I would, could only assume, would be a huge benefit for the XFL and the Brahmas. Yeah, no, it would be. Um and just even look at it where, but it just gets back, gets down to the potential for professional sports in a city of this size, San Antonio, the Spurs right now, as I mentioned, 16 games below 500. They're not going to make the playoffs. They have the second youngest roster in the league. There's been plenty of nights at, they don't play their every home game in the Alamo dome. They play at the AT&T center. The reason they're playing at the dome is because it's their 50th anniversary and they used to play their home. They won their first championship when, during the season, which they played in the Alamo Dome. That's where they used to play. But right now, like there's plenty of nights where they can't even fill up, you know, 75%. It'll be half empty at the AT&T Center. But for a game like this with the proper marketing and because people want to be a part of something bigger, a game like this, the Spurs playing at the Alamo Dome is going to like it, it's crazy. The, the, the marketing job that the Spurs did full well knowing that they were going to have a team struggling on the court. The record wasn't going to be there. The game might result wise. It's probably not going to mean a ton, but they're, they, they just broke an attendance record, single game, regular season attendance record that had been standing 
for over 20 years. It, it hadn't been broken in the 21st century. And a losing team for a regular season game that might not mean much in early January is going to break it. So, I mean, what does that tell you? It tells you that with the proper marketing and with the proper, you know, people all coming together, you can you can fill up stadiums for sporting events in a city like San Antonio. And the Brahmas should be looking at it and they should be saying, hey, you know, that makes us really excited because we can do something similar here with this team. Well, great deal. Nate, it has been a pleasure. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL, the San Antonio Brahmas, and everything leading up to the kickoff here in just a few weeks, really. What is it, about five weeks, I think, to kickoff or something like that? So 100%, it's... yeah. yeah we're, we're, and we're going to be, like, after this Spurs game on Friday night, you're going to see a lot more people in San Antonio. San Antonio is going to see a lot more people starting to talk about the Browns. If some of our listeners want to be able to follow you and stay in tune with everything that's going on in San Antonio for sports, as well as just the Brahmas in general, how could they do so? Uh, so hit me up on Twitter. I mean, I, anytime I learn of anything, uh, that's, that's the first place I go. Uh, first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is let's check that, uh, Twitter at Nate Ryan sports, pretty easy. Instagram is same deal at Nate Ryan sports. Uh, and then if you're in San Antonio, CBS six and 10 PM Monday through Friday night, be sure to tune into us. And, uh, well, we have some fun. It's a lot of fun every night. So, we'll, but looking forward to the season. And again, Michael, thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure. You actually doing me more of a favor than anything. <laughs> I don't know about that, but man. no, I, I I do believe so. I take everything um, very humble. So anybody that's coming on is doing me a huge favor, but more so helping out the listeners because this gives us an opportunity to get some insight into markets because the XFL is just not vastly on television or radio if you're listening to espn sports radio fox sports radio just we don't get it so i mean it's a pleasure it really is and thank you but again too you even doing something like this reaching out to you know media personalities in each city and getting conversation going before the season started just you doing this is already it's good for the league because it gets people talking and it peaks people peaks people's interest so you know as the season goes along, you know, feel free to reach out to me whenever. And because, I mean, I'll be watching games. I'll be at games and I'd be happy to, you know, you know, talk about some scenarios that it's fun for me. I mean, I'd love to do it, but happy to do it anytime. All right. You planted a seed, so it's probably coming. Okay. There you go, man. Take care. All right. You too. I'm like, will be good. Having the opportunity to have Nate join us is a treat. Despite his moving to San Antonio in June, He's fully submerged into the San Antonio sports scene and has been there since day one of the XFL's announcement to place a team at the Alamo Dome. I am looking forward to reconnecting with Nate during the season to provide you with a better understanding of the market and team. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have a comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, Do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. 
One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.